0: Okay, get the old Coke open. That's where I'm starting. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 64 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill. And no, not him, Renfri Deadman. He's off gallivanting around Europe with one of those rock and roll bands that you heard about on the internet. So is not here. I know last week we said... We're gonna have a rock star guest on the uh, on the podcast. The thing about rock stars is is that they're quite unreliable people. So instead, we've got a reliable man who's kind of a rock star in his own way and has been on the show many times before. It's Mr. Matt Stocks. Matthew.
1: A rock star without a guitar. A rock star without a guitar. That's what I want to get the business cards made up, saying.
0: Superstar DJ.
1: Yeah, man. Fresh off tour as well. So I've got a few stories from the road if you want to get into those later but thank you for inviting me to deputize that's quite right mate it's always a pleasure Mm. there you go snap
0: oh um well listen before we kick off as we should be saying on this week's show we're going to be reviewing new releases from foals ocean wisdom and elbow and because this is kind of a bit of a last minute larry i thought i'd let matt have the pick of trade-off and i wouldn't give him anything um He's picked an album that I know very well, but fuck it. It's definitely worth talking about. Against Me's Excellent New Wave, we'll be chatting about later on.
1: Yeah, the reason I picked that is because I remember being at Hellfest with you in 2014 and we bumped into Lori Jane Grace backstage. And you were like, please play Thrash Unreal. Yeah. And she was kind of on the fence, like, oh, we'll see what we can do. And then sure enough, she busted it out and you were the happiest man in France.
0: I was happy. I was. I was so happy. <laughs> there were French men. Up to their elbows in Brie and um, what other things? Baguettes and other tokenistic things. (laughs) Yeah, and Olivier Giroud, And they weren't as happy as me. Um, Before we move on, we should say uh, we are part of Musicism. Thanks, guys. Uh, Musicism.net is a place to go for all of you budding singer songwriters. If you want to learn how to play the guitar, learn how to be a better vocalist, or learn how to um, produce your own shit, get over there. They've got loads of courses that will sort you out.
1: You could be the next Flood and Alan Mulder in one.
0: You could be, yeah. Um, and for only 9 99 a month. Or <laughs> if you put in the code RIOT in capitals in the checkout, you get 25% off. I'm sure Alan Mulder and Flood can afford the full price though.
1: Yeah, they don't need it.
0: If you're listening, boys. Uh, we will talk about them yeah, later. They're absolutely not. Yeah, we will. We will, won't we? In relation to falls. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to save go. that. You know, that's the anticipation. Well, there it is. Fucked. <laughs> on the table. <laughs> um, but before we move on, Matt. Uh something's just come up that I've clicked on. The Black Crows, a potential Black Crows reunion. Chris Robinson and Rich Robinson could tour in twenty twenty.
1: I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I right. was with a dear friend who has inside knowledge on this last weekend. <coughs> and he very much hinted at the fact that a, a reunion with those guys could be, you know, a very strong possibility in the not too distant future. And that would be one of the greatest things. To happen to 21st century rock and roll because there's a lot of classic rock bands around now. Mm. You know, you've got Tyler Bryant and The Shakedown, Cadillac 3, there's a big movement, but yeah. they're, they're the OGs, aren't they? Like, Oh,
0: it's the 30th anniversary, saying here, 30th anniversary of their band's debut Shake Your Money Maker album. For a start, what an album. I mean, I, I, if they went out to play that in full, I'd be pretty disappointed because I am, I don't know how many people, I know people love that record. And so, what's Harmony, the one that followed that? Yeah. Southern Harmony. Oh, mate, Southern Harmony. But I'll take a I'll take fucking three snakes and one charm as well. Like those those first four are incredible. And even when you get up to like like I like lions a lot. Um they did Crowology, like an acoustic strip back thing of, of about five, six, seven years ago now. And it's amazing. Like they're such a great band. I can't quite put my finger on what makes the black crow so much better than those bands who I have you know, I have people who listen know I have quite a kind of short fuse for a lot of these modern classic rock bands that sounds like an oxymoron but you know what i mean yeah yeah of course talking about what what is it that makes the black crows so much better than those bands it's
1: the it's the brothers chemistry that's at the heart of it it's the tension it's the push and the pull it's obviously chris robinson's voice which is sublime it's rich robinson's songwriting ability his Mm -hmm. licks and i guess because they were the first to revisit that sound in an era of grunge Where no one else was really touching on that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Although it wasn't necessarily reinventing the wheel, like the
0: end of hair metal as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Became
0: like this horrible bubblegum shit by kind of nineteen ninety when they when the Black Crows came along. They just kind of like injected it full of soul again, didn't they? Well, that's the
1: other key word there is soul. Their music has so much soul, Mm. and uh, they're just. Although, as I said, that the wheel wasn't reinvented with what they did. They were certainly a highly original band that had a highly original take on that style of music, and the records still stand up.
0: Uh, so here's
1: hoping that is going to become a, uh, a thing of fact. Yes, very 2020,
0: soon. it'll be the, 20, the 30th, and a fucking hell. 30th.
1: But I heard it's on. I heard it's on Ooh, from a very wow. reliable source. So um, don't uh, quote me on it, but you did uh, hear it here first, if it comes true. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very <laughs> so excited about the idea of that.
0: Um, they've also announced the kind of the pre-nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, here we go. I I literally just saw uh, Rich Jones, who plays a Michael Monroe's band tweet about this, and he he made a very funny observation. He said... Everyone, <laughs> fuck the fucking Hall of Fame. It's a load of fucking shit, blah, blah, blah. Everyone else, oh, wow, Motorhead have just been nominated. Isn't that great? Mm, mm. And I think that's the thing, is if people like the way it goes, it's like with the Grammys. You know, if, if there's a metal band that wins, they're like, amazing, they have won a Grammy. If they don't, they're like, oh, you're always overlooking this. Yeah, they, they can never quite decide whether they like it or not.
0: Well, I have to say, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the, nominees, the nominees. I've only heard
1: Motorhead. Okay,
0: right. Who well, else do we have? To me, this is a very strong group right um, Nine Inch Nails Judas Priest Dave Matthews Band I've put them high because my girlfriend really likes them <laughs> they're jeez. such a phenomenon in America <laughs> they are they? Like, she's like you don't know Dave Matthews we'll never that's get it mean, over sorry, here sorry guy that's a really bad impression of <laughs> you don't know Dave Matthews I'm like oh, I've fuck knows I have who no in idea. the blowfish all that who stuff like, we spoke, who are these people we spoke at length about who in the blowfish on this show before um, that's of, a strong list. list I also can't well, believe I'll,
1: that most of those aside from Dave Matthews
0: aren't already in it well Nine Inch Nails Priest Dave Matthews, Craftwork. Nice. MC5, who we'll talk about in a minute. Hell yeah. Motorhead, who we've already said about. Soundgarden. Thin Lizzy. How are Thin Lizzy not in there? Mental. That's insanity. Um, controversial, but what a legend. Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. t uh, T-Rex. Shaka Khan, they're fucking. I mean, that's one that's weird. Uh, they are really <laughs> Ch- fucking. Ch- they are Ch- really Ch- pushing this Shaka Khan <laughs> shit, aren't they? Um, Doobie Brothers, who again, like, you know, I would expect them to kind of be in there being an American thing. Um, Todd Rundgren, Pat Benatar, <laughs> and Whitney Houston. Like,
1: there you go. Come on. I mean, that's a, a combination of incredibly strong <laughs> and incredibly bizarre.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure, you know, at this point.
1: And will only. Is it the case that only one from that list gets in every year? I don't know.
0: It's like. Five or six.
1: So you've got like a one in two chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that Shaka and Whitney... It
0: will be... Well, okay, so Whitney Houston's getting in. (laughs) You reckon? Oh, undoubtedly. You
1: heard it here first, people.
0: It's happening with Whitney. Like, it is going to happen because she's massive. I wouldn't be surprised if B.I.G. got in there. I would expect Soundgarden to get in there as well.
1: Um, And Motorhead. And it's probably the ones that have passed away, isn't it? That often seems to be the way that it goes.
0: Yeah, but then you've got Thin Lizzy, T-Rex... Uh, Craftwork as well and Amazing. Soundgarden, um who are all yeah 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 Craftwork I think are kind of deserving of that I would be with it being America I would fully expect Dave Matthews Band to go in
1: mm-hmm. and probably the Doobie Brothers I mean so it's anyone's match
0: it is I would love to see Ninth Nails go in obviously for obvious reasons um but yeah it's a pretty good it's a pretty good list isn't it really good yeah it's a shame to get Soundgarden you, you know like for Chris Cornell to not be there if Soundgarden do go in, that feels like the sort of thing where you sort of think, well, they've been eligible for some time now. And I believe this is the first time they've been up for nomination. And that feels a little bit.
1: Does it mean anything, though, other than the fact that you no. get to do a nice show and you bring out guests and it's like a especially if the band's fractured? Yeah. I think that's when it's really nice is when you see these bands that have either split up or certain members have departed and then they get to kind of bring everyone together celebrate the legacy do a cool show Mm. but aside from that
0: i mean does
1: it really validate a band more than they were already regarded by actual music fans it's all all. just fucking show and tell isn't it
0: yeah that's true that's true just thought it was worth sort of mentioning it it's quite a strong hey mate it's your show you mentioned what you thank you very much well i'm (laughs) gonna mention this as well rob flynn have you seen this rob flynn kicking off on instagram
1: so again just this moment whilst you were preparing the show i was surfing instagram and rob flynn posted a picture from a meet and greet at his show yesterday with a fan in a dope (laughs) t-shirt
0: and he was like ah
1: this is funny and no she couldn't name a single song so he was kicking off about dope right yeah
0: so there's a new machine it's on called do or die i'm assuming you haven't heard that
1: uh all i know is that it's been accused of having perhaps simplistic slightly morose lyrics yeah. And then his comeback was, well, look at a song like Walk by Pantera or, well, yeah. you know, the old Lamb of God, Redneck, these kind of songs like this that yes. have very knuckle dragger esque sloganistic lyrics. But then he's like, well, that's kind of part and parcel of metal and go fuck yourselves.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's been compared to Dope's 2001 song Die, MF Die. Oh,
1: because of the old classic hip-hop track, yes. The Roof, The Roof, The Roof is on yes, Fire. Yes,
0: yes, which uh, has been used by Rancid, has been used by, as Rob Flynn put, points out, in a very. Um, sweary Instagram post Cold Chamber as yep. well Five Finger Death Punch and yeah Machine Head um, are also using it like you know it's been used by lots of people I think uh, the Bloodhound Gang as well yep. uh, used it um, so a lot of people have used it so it seems like a weird thing well it's not even a metal thing up.
1: it's it's from hip hop and it's yeah. from the 80s mm. so anyone that's like ah it's not original
0: it's like well no it wasn't original when Cold Chamber did it in the 90s no no I mean it does bring up like that thing about slogan here, and it's funny I was talking to Luke Arf Mutual friend Luke Morton, who works for Kerrang! magazine, and we were chatting. I don't know how we got talking about it, but we got talking about sloganeering in metal. And I think it might have been in. Re- I th- I, do you know what it was? It was in relation to the Fever Three 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 record, right? Which I think is bad. And <laughs> um and I was like, "Poor
1: man's rage" is it? a very poor man's rage.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a poor man's rage crossed with a well, normal man's Linkin Park. I so <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's bad and one thing that's great <laughs> but done badly. And it's just, yeah, it's just a really bad record. And um, And I was saying, you know, well, the thing is, I'm going to spunk Probably want to because we're, re- we're reviewing the new Refused album next week, so okay. I'm probably going to spunk. I'm going to say this again next week, but I think if you Sloganeering's is fine in music,
1: if you're Zach de la Rocha,
0: yeah, I think if if you have the power behind and... you, yeah, because there is so much that is intelligent about Radiant's Machines music, but ultimately what people remember is bullet in the head, shouting freedom, all fuck of you, which are American, dreams, all of things are American like this, dreams, all of which yeah. are yeah, and that kind of became let shit freedom ring with a shotgun blast, which became fuck you, I'm fed up with you and you know, the I won't. I won't. What it, this
1: is a motherfucking invitation, well, that's god it,
0: Yeah, I mean, I would actually say, give walk me, on home, give boy. Me to, give me something to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Which kind of gets
1: that refrain that is lodged in everyone's yeah. minds for all time. Yeah, and
0: it's um, it's become a thing, uh, like a massive thing in in metal, and I think.
1: But the key thing is to point out that it came purely from hip hop. Mm. You know, all the bands that first started using that were drawing from hip hop as an influence. So anyone that says, oh, you're riffing on, I doubt Rob Flynn's sitting there listening to Dope, thinking, this is Dope, let's do what they did. It is ridiculous.
0: I mean, I would imagine the sort of people that are sticking up for Dope (laughs) don't know anything about anything. But um, I was going to get your take uh, on what you think. I mean, he basically has shot back and gone, you're a bunch of idiots.
1: Which he's, you know, kind of... I would say guilty, but I kind of like that he does that a lot. Yeah. He is very quick to call out the sometimes ignorant, quick fire misjudgment that surrounds metal and particularly the online metal Mm. community and culture. So you
0: think that's a good thing? Because this whole thing of like artists kind of shitting on their fans has been a thing. People are like going, wow, he shouldn't be saying that. Those people fucking buy his records and they have their entitled opinion about him and he's just a baby. and Like right, you know, you see sports people, you see people on, you know, with profiles rising to take kind of taking the bait a lot these days. And it rarely works out that way. Well. It rarely does. Less than me. I'm very, very good. <laughs> you I don't are. have much of a profile, so I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah. Most people are nice. You ain't got people. nothing to lose. No, that's true. Uh you, this is my podcast and you can't get me, uh whatever I say. <laughs> but I th- I think people love
1: that you do that because they're in on the joke with you. Mm. Right? So when you're slagging off say a Lincoln Park fan. You know, there's probably people listening to this who might like Linkin Park, yeah. but they can appreciate that you're coming at it from a place of humor mm-hmm. and they're in on the joke and they enjoy it. And I think that, you know, not to kind of sweep over the whole community with too much of a broad stroke, but I do think that a lot of those types of metal fans, the people that are taking offense to what Rob's saying, are people who kind of take themselves and music a bit too seriously. yeah, And they don't have that ability to remove themselves and go, well, this is a bit absurd. You Know yeah. dope are a bit of a cheap band, that's clearly not what he's doing. Yeah, I can appreciate that he's come back with a a fairly aggressive retort, but he's not actually angry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just like, Come on, because this is how it is.
0: Yeah, it's a bit like, but um, it is
1: hard, isn't it? Because you say it always blows back in people's faces. Yeah, so then, just, but then it's like, just, Would you prefer he was just
0: quiet? Well, yeah, no, no, I, I don't want
1: people to be outspoken,
0: don't yeah, you? Yeah, of course, yeah, and especially when it's something stupid as this. I mean, this is like. Those people who go well, Avenged Sevenfold shouldn't have. What about Overkill? Get get your own logo, and it's like it's a fucking logo. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a skull with bats wings for ears. Like it's not the most original thing in the world. <laughs> it's not the most interesting thing. It's not it's not good when they've got it. It's not good when they've got it. It's kind of stupid and ridiculous. And that's what metals should be about. But like, kind of claiming ownership of sort of the stupidest parts of metal, like a fucking chant, motherfucker, motherfucker, in a in a song is is really lame.
1: There's life's too short and there's too much other things that you could be talking about.
0: There is, including, Matt, I've not been to any gigs recently.
1: You have. I've been to, well, I've attended and also participated in loads. The most recent, which was one of my favourite nights of this year, as it always is, I've been lucky enough now to see Alice Cooper live seven times in ten years. And I think for someone of his age, the fact that he tours that consistently is amazing, but also that his show each time he comes over is different. Like The songs are obviously largely the same. He'll always touch on the basic same hit singles. There's a lot of 70s deep cuts from the first few records in this set, but the stage show is always different. The costumes, the, the theatricality is always tweaked slightly each time. And uh, this time out, he had... Usually there's kind of hard rock, classic rock bands performing with him, right? This time he had the the MC50 which is a 50-year tribute to the Motor City Five. So you've got Wayne Kramer.
0: Yeah, I really want to hear about Who's just, this.
1: I mean, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And when yeah, you see maybe. him live and hear him shred, you're like, oh my God, this dude is like one of the guitar gods. Yeah. Um, and his band was Kim, is it Tahil? How's yeah, it pronounced? Kim Thale. Kim Thale from Soundgarden on the other guitar. And they were like doing all these kind of dual riffage moments together. Uh, there was Billy Gold from... Faith No More Faith on bass. More. Who's the Fugazi drummer? He was on drums.
0: Oh, fucking Brendan. No, yep. uh, just, yeah, sorry. I think so. That's the bassist. I was going to say Brendan Brendan Canty then. It's um, Joe. They're like my fucking favourite band and you've just thrown this at me.
1: Well, it's him anyway. It's, <laughs> it's
0: Joe. <laughs> that dude. Joe from Fugazi. And
1: then the, I can't remember the singer's name, which is bad, but there's this fucking like seven foot monster of a guy who just does the, the MC5 vocals such justice. Uh, they opened... And, you know, getting to see those songs like Ramblin' Rose kick out the jams, Looking at You, hearing all those songs, which are 50 years old now, yeah, and still fill an auditorium with with bite uh, was amazing. And then after them was The Stranglers, just this kind of, you know, bass-heavy British punk that you would think is kind of out of step with, with Alice Cooper, but obviously the MC5 Detroit connection is the perfect link. And then to have The Stranglers in between break it up, and actually, to be quite honest, the crowd fucking ate up The Stranglers. They absolutely loved them. And, you know, hearing everything from Peaches to Golden Brown to mm. No More Heroes, all those classics. Um, it was an amazing night out. Like, it ticked all the boxes for me because I got amazing. to see an iconic legendary band and hear those songs live for the first time. I got to see one of my favourite punk bands. And then the kind of the king of theatrical shock rock, do his thing and do it well. Was... It's a really varied bill, as I was not it? It was. Yeah. I mean,
0: fuck me, you've got like... Like you say, the Stranglers, and like and I guess, kind of late 70s into the 80s. And then you've got, obviously, Alice Cooper, huge in the 80s, but kind of huge for the whole time. And then, uh, really, the MC5's kind of peak was the late 60s. Yeah,
1: it was 69, 70. And then
0: you add in, so what? It was fucking all these alt-rock legends. Yeah, so and then you add in the, the 90s base, heroes. So was it, it was,
1: Billy Gold on bass. Oh, Billy Gold on bass? Yeah.
0: Sorry, I'll say it is Brendan Canty from Fugazi. On drums. On drums. There on you drums. Go. Yeah, oh, sorry. yeah, I was, yeah. I thought it was yeah. doing double bass. Oh, or Billy, Gould, I th- so Billy Gould. Billy Gould so on bass. For some reason, I thought you said um, uh, go fucking. On. Why can't I remember the, Mike Borden from Faith? For some reason, I was thinking. No, Mike no, no,
1: no, no, no. Yeah,
0: Billy Gould on bass. Oh, it's fucking hell. Cool. All star lineup. That is an all star lineup. And they
1: lineup. sounded, dude, they sounded tight, as you would imagine all those players <coughs>
0: playing, <coughs> so you playing got, together with. You've seen members of MC5, members of. Fugazi member of Faith No More, Faith Sound no More Soundgarden. Soundgarden, Stranglers, and Alice Cooper all in one night. I and they brought it's out it's Dennis
1: Dunaway from the original Alice Cooper group for Schools Out for out. the last song of the night as well. So it was. Wow.
0: That what a good. night. That sounds brilliant.
1: And shout out to Ian Winwood, Kerrang journalist. He is the one who got me into the show as his plus one. And we were in a booth. We were in one of those booths. And actually, yeah. I will say this although it was kind of nice getting the five star treatment we had our own private barman I'm not drinking at the moment but mm. I was knocking back the pepsis all night and the only problem with the booths is is most of the people in the other ones are kind of corporate scum so they're, they're just yeah. they're just they're just getting pissed eating food and talking through the whole show yeah. so as as nice and as decadent as it feels you are just surrounded by people who don't appreciate the music and do kind of ruin the show yeah. so that was like the, the one only time thing. I've been
0: in one of those boxes really uh, at the O2 was for uh, the Brits, so I was kind so of. So you talking. would have been was, one of those people. I was one <laughs> of those people. Yeah, um, talking I was through Robbie of, Williams. Kind of glad of um, of having the night ruined by people talking. To be honest. Yeah. Um. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I'm off to
1: see The Struts tomorrow night.
0: One of yeah. my favourite new rock and roll bands. Who else have I seen? Well, obviously
1: I was on the Fireball Tour for two weeks. Go on, on then.
0: Weeks. a little um, spiel about that.
1: So I don't know how many scarpunk punk fans you have listening to Probably the show. A f- quite a few, a to few. be honest. Yeah. I guess the guilty pleasure for some people. And the oh, yeah. bill was uh, Save Ferris. Mm-hmm. It was their first UK tour in 18 years. Um, they broke up in the, I think, early 2000s and just yep. disappeared for ages. And then Monique had a major health scare, had this big operation on her neck. And uh, her father passed away, and one of his last dying words to her was, I really want to see you get your band back together and get out on tour again because music makes you so happy. So as a a kind of a, a promise to her dad, she she got the band back together, and so they're yeah, back. Cool. So beautiful success story. They were incredible. She, right, is like a showgirl mixed with Gigi Allen. <laughs> she is so punk rock, and every night she would just berate Anyone that wasn't getting into it. So if she'd say, you know, put your hands in the air, clap your hands, and people didn't do it, she'd literally just be stood there going, you, you motherfucker And the fucking red jumper. Yeah, I see you. Fucking give you beers. She will just call people out, stop the show. Very provocative, very kind of just aggro, but in a very cheeky, sexy, fun, entertaining way. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing live band. I can't say enough good things about them. After them, you had Goldfinger
0: do like a bit of golfing, and yeah. that
1: was their first proper UK tour in eight years Yeah, because obviously John Feldman makes so much fucking money producing records <laughs> the idea <laughs> yes, for him the idea for him of going out and playing to 400 people club shows across the UK when he's got a wife and kids and family at home and he doesn't need to do it is absurd, which is why they very, very rarely tour. And he also has this all-star lineup band. He's oh, got yeah. Cyrus, the drummer from Newfound Glory on drums.
0: For MXPX guy? There's,
1: um, yeah, Mike Kerrer from MXPX is on bass and singing. There's another dude from Story of the Year. That's right. Uh, Charlie Moon, I think his name is, uh, or Phil, Phil Moon, perhaps. And then they've got Charlie Paulson, who's the original fucking guitarist back in the band. Oh, Him cool. and John have made up. And he was so they had fucking three guitarists, they had this all star band Charlie the o g member back in the fold, and they were just firing on all cylinders every night. They did a kind of basically a full headline set, even though they weren 't headlined and then Les than Jake came on after them, full headline, you know just the full fucking show. Uh, a couple of nights, they did their kind of, I guess, classic album, Hello Rock View, in full. Mm-hmm. They did that in Brixton and Birmingham. Uh, I was DJing between all the bands. We had local openers in every city. There was this other band called Thieves of Liberty from Newcastle on every day as well. They're like a kind of almost like a hailstormy ACDC esque rock and roll band. So they weren't quite in, in sync with the bill, but they're Fireball's hottest band for this year. So they were on the full tour. And it was just so much fun. Like those three bands back-to-back, Save Ferris, Goldfinger, Less Than Jake, if you do like that kind of 90s third wave ska music, it's the perfect night out. Mm. And yeah, we did eight shows in 10 days. I did after parties every single night. Uh, podcast most days as well. So I did one with Charlie, one with John, one with Chris from Less Than Jake, one with Mo from Say Ferris. So it's a busy time. Uh, loads of booze, obviously, because it's sponsored by Fireball, so that's just on tap. Yes, and you know I like a so drink. I, you know, I
0: follow you <laughs> on Instagram. I saw you saw that, and I did it as up, so. uh, the
1: whole tour, dressed as Hunter S. Thompson. You did yeah? So I was dressed in my fear and loathing get up every night, and yeah, it was just as they always are. It was two of the most fun weeks of the year, so I loved it. Thank you. If anybody came to the cool.
0: shows, mate, before we move into the reviews, the one other thing I want to mention to you is, uh, and this dropped today as we record, but you know, you should when you finish listening to this podcast, you should absolutely go and listen to Matt's interview with Jazz Coleman on Life in the Stocks which I've been listening to I've got about 20 minutes left before the whole thing um, ends and I I just love Jazz Coleman but particularly one thing which I haven't actually got to yet but it's been reported uh, I think a few of the news outlets have picked up on the fact that Jazz was talking about how he could have helped Heath Ledger while Heath Ledger was obviously dealing with the character of the Joker, which is kind of a hot topic with with the, the controversy surrounding the Joker movie as out at the moment. And, um, and obviously people still, I guess at this point, all these years later, mythologizing about Heath Ledger's death and his process and what he had to go through to kind of create that part and the iconic nature of what that part was. Jazz Coleman says some amazing things about, I mean the whole the, the, the you should go and listen to it. I don't want to ruin this too much to be honest, because the interview is as a committed Killing Joke fanboy, I just love <laughs> to hear Jazz Coleman riff from. I mean, you would j- just go, "Oh, Jazz, what do you think about like where's a nice place to live?" And he would talk for twenty minutes, like what a dude
1: about volcanic hotspots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all kind. I mean, he's so well read and informed, and such a great orator. And really, a, you know, a self-confessed mad bastard. Mm. So you just kind of I think I probably talk for a grand total of <laughs> three or four minutes in the whole 90 minute interview. Yeah. The rest is just and all you really do is interject every 20 minutes with like another a turn or a curve. And then yeah. he goes off again. And yeah, he got so deep into so much stuff that is just consistently fascinating, unpredictable. And the Joker stuff you're talking about. Yes, obviously, the new Joker film is out like right now. And I guess people still do look back on Heath Ledger's performance as one of the great roles of the 21st century and about how that role was probably a large determining factor in him, you know, going over the edge, Mm. let's say. And Jazz talks about how when you deal with these energies and these occult forces, the Harlequin madman, he calls it the 11th path on the tree of life, which Mm. is this kind of almost uh, almost like a Shakespearean. Tricksy, do you know what I mean? A spirit that's there to purposefully drive you crazy, yeah. and he 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 blames that for what happened to Heath Ledger. And he says because he's dealt with those forces for forty years, he's like, if I'd have known Heath Ledger, I could have saved him. Mm-hmm. But he also says a lot about how Heath Ledger based a lot of his mannerisms and his physicality on a Jazz Coleman performance in a Killing Joke music video, um, which is in yeah this news article the Metal Hammer have just shared, and basically a. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The rumor is, and and Jazz is, uh, you know, quite behind the fact that this is fact that Heath's space, be it his apartment or his trailer or whatever, was covered in stills and pictures from this music video of Jazz Coleman with all the makeup, and he would study his behavior and apply that to his his interpretation of that character. So
0: fascinating stuff. Fascinating and spooky. I mean, yeah, um, go and listen to that. I mean, I normally give Life and Stocks a plug regardless thanks mate whether you're in or not most of the time next week but, perry farrell as well yeah looking forward to that but certainly oh man jazz coleman is just such a. have never interviewed him before i'd love to you'd love him i know i, would, yeah. <laughs> I do i do love him anyway Let's move on. Let's do some reviews, Matt.
1: Let's do it. What's up first?
0: So, first of all, we're going to be talking about the new album from Foles. It's called Everything Will Be Saved, Not Lost, Volume 2, which is the sixth album from the Oxford-based indie rockers, or fifth, maybe, as this is very much considered the second part of an album, Uh, the first part being Everything Will Be Saved, Not Lost, Volume 1, which was released earlier this year, and was Mercury-nominated. Hence the name as well, with the volume one and two. There same name, innit? Same name. Same thing. It's got to be the same. What do you reckon? Is it the fifth or the sixth? Renfrew would be having, on Wikipedia it says it's their sixth album, but this is a, the, sort of the second part of one album, essentially.
1: Well, it has to be sixth, because if it was fifth, <laughs> the two would have come out together as a double disc, right? Yeah, I You'd guess so. Think.
0: Yeah. And now, it, always, it always
1: blows my mind when bands have the, the confidence <laughs> In some cases, the misdirection. Like yeah. You look at a Green Day when they did Uno mm. Dos Tres, well, and reloads. you're like, "Well, that's that's different because that is not on the same level of complete atrocious."
0: Oh no, I mean like, I love the vacuous
1: records. like the Green Day triple album. You could have put all three of those albums together, and you probably still wouldn't have gotten one good one. No, no. no. Um, so yeah, I I would say six because okay. it's, it's part two that came out later. That's Falls are a decent band. I like them. I don't know too much about them. When I worked on Kerrang!, we used to play them a bit, and I remember their album Total Life Forever coming out in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a song on there called Spanish Sahara, which I used to play a lot as a single. And then I think the album which followed that called Holy Fire,
0: is it? Oh. Do you know what? This I'm gonna have to fess up to being totally ignorant of to Foles at this point. Right. I mean, you know, obviously I'm aware of them. They've headlined Reading. They're a big band. I, I saw them. Um, playing and I've I reviewed them when they played the Mercury Music Prize show that I went to at the Hammerstein Apollo a couple of weeks ago they opened the show I thought they were very good was that um, live
1: show your introduction as it were to to the band yeah like pretty, proper pretty much yeah I mean obviously
0: I'd never watched them on telly before I, I'm, I'm sure I will have heard some of their songs because I don't think if you're that sort of band you can get to the level that Foles have got to with be, like and completely pass someone by. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I'm sure if you played me one of their big hits, I would know what it is. But off the top of my head, I do not know what that is. I don't know anything about Foles. I mean Foles are the band who I think as we mentioned on the podcast, I, when I came on Life in the Stocks and some dude came up to me and said, Oh, you should have covered the Foles album. And I was like, Oh, and yeah. And he had a Bronx sure, t shirt yeah. on, right? Had Bronx t shirt on go. at the Employee to Serve show, which was cool. So I did think, yes, you're right, we should cover Foles because, you know, they're a big deal. It's just that I happen to you know, in in and around the time that they've been around, I've been going further down alleyways of hardcore punk, extreme metal, Well, you know, all those kind of things. And the sort of things that I've been having to listen to for, metal, for hammer bands. metal hammer yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I don't always get a chance to listen to or discover a lot of the bigger new indie bands and
1: well i can give you a bit of background and then you can bring it yeah. up to date with the album okay. because i've obviously only just stepped in last minute to do mm-hmm. the show so i haven't really heard the album and you know it's all its layered glory but um their first album was produced by dave Sittek from tv on the radio yeah so i would very much place them in that kind of disco influenced post-punk mm-hmm. uh there's definitely an element of my bloody valentine to what they do with the guitar work yeah and i would say in places because it was flood and alan Mulder who we were talking about earlier that yeah. produced the album that followed title life forever which i think is called holy fire uh and that has elements of nine inch nails smashing pumpkins that kind of stuff in it so although they're very much an indie band i think they're definitely referencing a lot of music which people who might be onto the more alternative and heavy end of the spectrum yeah we'll we'll be into
0: well I mean I was quite surprised by what this was initially. I mean there is um, a song like the like the Runner and Black Bull, which are a track there's kind of an intro track and track the sort of second the, the, the first and third songs on the album really a quite royal blood I think. yeah yeah you know, it's kind of modern production. Bass heavy, um, a a lackadaisical vocal hook. Um, Like I say, the production sounds very modern. But uh, beneath it all, I think, is a a kind of uh, just what I felt initially. I was like, this feels like a kind of cool, mainstream, in the nicest possible way, mainstream alternative rock stroke indie band. And um, I feared, to be perfectly honest, that maybe not that I completely, you know, I always use this band as a sort of (laughs) like a whipping stick, like, oh, well, you know, (laughs) they're not the 1975. But, you know, I did kind of wonder, like, are we going (laughs) to, am I going to get something that's going to be a bit like the 1975? Because as much as I think I found, I ended up going from pure hatred of the 1975 album to actually seeing the kind of artistic value in it for what it was. But I do think there's something about the 1975 that, that there's not enough oomph and they're not quite as creative as uh as i would like them to be and at first i thought well Foles, you can hear the guitars you know this is a band who are clearly versed in rock music well like the other DC. thing i guess
1: is Foles have been doing it a good five years if not more <laughs> yeah. longer than bands like royal blood or 1975 so if the if the Absolute. influence is going anyway it's that bands like that are probably. Picking up what Foles started and that's, bringing it
0: forward. That's absolutely right. But I, uh, but, my, but initially, my kind of first was like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is cool. And like, good, there's more guitars in it than I, I feared there might be. Because sometimes um, when these bands get really popular, I do think there's a tendency to kind of iron out the more difficult sounding parts of their music. And I don't like think- Like a Biffy
1: Clyro. Yeah, but then, I th- you know,
0: yeah. I mean, I think Biffy is still- difficult enough yeah definitely and i think they write good songs i think that's ultimately the most important thing isn't it
1: chili peppers then there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> yeah yeah chili peppers i mean <laughs> mm.
0: i was thinking more
1: like and that's not even I was thinking more is like it? kings of leon right do you know what i mean yeah 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 uh
0: but um, just round
1: off those edges a bit just smooth them down yeah
0: but there's a kind of there's an, an 80s sort of shimmering wash of guitars do you know who uh, exactly
1: who they remind me of a band that we were talking about earlier on on the podcast that I did for my Patreon page with you, mm-hmm. Talk Talk. You can absolutely yeah. hear the influence of them.
0: Well, I mean, I have actually put like Talk Talk Bingo, um, if you've got the the right act bingo card, <laughs> you get, and you've got Talk Talk on that bingo card every week, a band come along and I go, Talk Talk. So, you know, um, but initially, like, I think the first kind of first third, maybe just over third of this record, scuzzy rock and roll you know touches the queens of stone age more maybe more modern queens of stone age um with i think you said earlier Radiohead. these more kind of ethereal, yeah, yeah. ethereal verses and i was like hmm, this is an an in you know like it's not anything i haven't heard before but it's um it's interesting enough and it's kind of it feels well made enough for it to to keep my attention
1: it's highly listenable as well mm. they're not a band that i would ever like put on and then go oh, i'm gonna skip this track yeah. You can very much just lose yourself because they have movements and emotion and there's depth yeah. to what they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did think to begin with when I got kind of halfway through this record, I thought this feels like the kind of record that I'll be faintly positive about. Do you know what I mean? that It's kind of like, it's pretty good for what it is, this sort of thing. It's quite good. But I think, and I don't know if you agree with me because you sat there and listened to it with me, so you know. Um, the second half of this record is really good.
1: I can't say I was given enough time to live with it. That's fair. Because we were just waiting on a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that, we were, yeah. That was more on my mind, if I'm honest. But right. uh, like I said, there's nothing that I've ever heard by this band that I dislike. Mm. And they're not also a band that I'm just kind of like, washes over me, kind of, mm, I can take them or even Whatever I hear from them, I always go, yeah, I like that. Yeah. And I've driven around in a car in Iceland. Listening to foals as well, and I can tell you they are the perfect soundtrack to a landscape like that. Because my mate Ian is big into them, and we went to Iceland a couple of. More jun- than
0: Sigur you'd have thought Sigur Well, Sigur
1: Ross was too obvious for us, you see. Right. So yeah, we were going right, with yeah. stuff like introducing. Mm. Uh, we went with Max in Quay or Key by Tricky. Yeah. We, we, up, we right. were just going with albums, very ethereal, soundscapey records mm. you could get lost in that weren't Icelandic.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool mix, that isn't it? Because or I Scandinavian. Think, I should yeah, say. I think it's a cool mix of. Uh, you know i think when when that idea when you when you go for that idea because i think there's when you think of like really the the two kind of big things in i guess when probably when fault Fo- the members of Foles were growing up you mentioned smashing pumpkins and grunge and, and probably kind of alternative rock and more under maybe more underground alternative rock than Smashing Pumpkins and Soundgarden, maybe they were. My, my Bloody Valentine my bloody would have definitely, def- and Jesus and Mary Chain Jesus would have definitely been Chain, an influence. Say, yeah, um, those, those sort of things, like kind of Creation Records stuff. Yeah. With, I guess, Bristolian trip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electronic, like like, spiritualized and, as well. Yeah. Um, massive Attack. Massive Attack, spiritualized. Um,
1: Which is all I great, guess, great
0: stuff. Kid A. Yeah, yeah. As well. You know, I think being a band who play guitars, who. Can kind of evoke those sort of sounds, can find a, 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 a meeting ground between those two sounds. That still, to me, feels like quite an exciting thing to be able to do. I think the first half of this record, they just feel like quite good, you know, pretty good rock songs. Like I say, Royal Blood. Royal Blood are never a band who I have ever got super excited about. You know, I think they write some pretty catchy rock songs. And I sort of felt like that about the first half of the album. Um, 10,000 Feet manages to go, I think, full Queens of Stone Age during the chorus, but having this really trippy, dreamy verse, which is excellent. Um, The second to last song, Into the Surf, has got this really brilliant piano hook and then this wild guitar part. And I think I sort of said to you, I was like, this is like Nick Cave front in Interpol at one point <laughs> Do you know what i mean it's like it's got kind of the bad seeds as sort of imagined by interpol like very very bass heavy post-punk but kind of modern post-punk beautifully produced um and just with i think a kind of a slightly higher level of intellect than you got from and a, li- a bit, little bit more imagination than you got from a lot of those bands in the kind of mid noughties. like i always talk about the kind of mid you know you're editors the indie landfill yeah, era and the bravery and those kind of bands um who just seem to be interested in playing pop songs and falls feel to me sp- it's particularly on the second part of this record like they're not just a band who are content with creating pop songs they want to create a kind of a deeper soundscape than that and i think that's cool and it all kind of come culmin- it culminates in the last track which is neptune which is 10 minutes long and for me is comfortably the best song on the record comfortably the best song on the record um it's great i mean the baseline is pure disintegration era the cure um it's got that you know that drum that you know that really kind of weird stark drum sound and drum pattern that joy division have mm-hmm. the kind of the the sort of the starkness of that mixed with the kind of warmth of that really thick bass line that the cure would have that kind of fuzzy bass line and his kind of whale he's got i think the what's the dude's name dimitri i think his name is yanis sorry i don't know why i said dimitri um <laughs> yanis uh, dimitri Yan- yanis is the um the lead singer of foals i'm sorry I, you know i'm saying i'm new to his band um and he's got like a really cool whale towards the end of that um but his vocal pattern is great and it it takes about five minutes to build up to something And then it all sort of stops and they take it right back down and they spend another five minutes building something back up and then the album ends. And it's really fucking great. Like really, really great. I really loved it. I don't know if you recall much of that song apart from me going to you. This is good, isn't it? Isn't this good?
1: Not really. But everything you're saying there just leads me straight to Atmosphere by Joy Division. Is this like their atmosphere moment?
0: Yeah, I mean... I think it's not a bad shout. I think it's, you know, it's um. It's not as dark as that, though, is it? Do you know what I mean? I don't think this record, it doesn't feel particularly like...
1: Well, they've always been a very bright and breezy.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel like... I, I think it's cool that you can, again, I think you can evoke bands like Joy Division sonically, which is quite, you know, is a really heavy, a really sparse, a really like, you know... Uh, unforgiving sound but to be able to kind of evoke that but give it some and you know like you mentioned talk talk who are a very a band with particularly on the sort of era that we were talking about the color of spring era really bright really kind of you know loud and celebratory and celebratory and those two things i'm always interested in bands who can kind of who try and combine those things and i think they do it really well i like this record
1: do you do points or stars or numbers? Or do you just go, no, that's no. what I think. That's what I think. Onto the next. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to get into it, though. It's not out yet, is it? You've got the early upfront We've exclusive got the early link. Upfront. So
0: it's out today. If you're listening to the podcast, the day it is released, it is out today. I think it's good and then it's great.
1: There we go. And yeah. it just gets better as it unfolds.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that is Foles. Everything will be what's it called everything everything not saved will be lost part two two. volume two everything not saved will be lost volume two is out right now right let's move on to our next artiste
1: i'll tell you what you wouldn't want me back announcing that on the radio regularly would you
0: no fuck that fucking hell um it's a bit shorter album titles lads it's definitely better than the darker side of heaven and the smellier part of hell part three by five finger death punch or whatever they fucking (laughs) call that piece of shit um anyway uh next album well it's sort of an album uh it's actually a mixtape it's called big talk volume one by ocean wisdom so this is a mixtape from the brighton based rapper uh we spoke about ocean wisdom's debut album wisville last year renfrey and i we did it on a kind of catch-up show um
1: what was his take on them
0: renfrey does not think hip hop is music, okay? There you go.
1: So, in a nutshell,
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's but, just but, people talking mm, over beats.
1: But he said <laughs>
0: this was of all the hip hop albums I've given him, and I've given him some really fucking good. What albums. have you given him just off the top um, of your head 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye West? Um, who needs actions when you got words by Plan B? Um, I gave him the Outward album, which Didn't get answered well. I'm your butterfly. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but that's, I I think that might be it. And this, or, or or Wisville, the last Ocean Wisdom album. Um, uh, Ocean Wisdom was named last year, the fastest rapper of all time.
1: Well, you just played me a track in there and I turned to you and I was like, he sounds like the UK Buster Rhymes. Yeah. That's the last time I heard someone spit that fast.
0: Yeah, he is. Well, he, he has both, he's been, um, Overtaken by someone else this year. But Eminem's rap god was something like three point four point Three point five one, like syllables uh, a second or yeah. something, yeah. And he beat that. But someone's beating him. Um but that doesn't really matter because oh really how fast you rap is got is irrelevant. It's you how gotta whiz- have something to say. You've got yeah. to say, you gotta have some good music to go with it. I have to say, Matt, I mean I don't you know, I loved I thought Wisville was great. It was pretty long. But it's one of the first times I've heard a hip hop record, a grime record, and for a very, very, very long time. And I've gone, that was great. I thought the guest spots were great. I thought, you know, as we mentioned, his flow, his delivery is amazing. He harks back to, or especially on that album, he harked back to an era of hip hop that I really liked. You know, he had kind of um, a lot of guest spots from people from the 90s.
1: that surprises me to learn that you were a fan of that record for that reason. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's not uh, like you, is it? Like
0: I care for the 90s much, but, um, but yeah. Uh, what's your sort of relationship with hip-hop yourself, particularly I, modern hip-hop?
1: Well, I kind of just only go, you say it harks back, but I only really listen to the stuff that is from that era. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very...
0: What was the last hip-hop artist you you, you loved?
1: The, what is it in terms of the chronological scale? So the last new one that came out that I yep. got behind, literally Eminem. Really? Yeah, like yeah. I I, wow. I'm okay. you know, a decade plus behind the game. I listen to Boogie Down Productions, Eric B and Rakeem, mm-hmm. um, Nas, Good shit. Uh, Big Daddy Kane, uh, obviously Run MC, Beastie Boys, Snoop, Dre, Tupac, uh, Biggie, like just 90, uh, late 80s into up to the mid 90s is like my golden age of hip hop. I noticed on Twitter actually the other day you shared a little a little thing saying everybody should watch the Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, which they absolutely should. Even if you don't know anything about hip hop, if you think you hate it, Renfrey should watch it because you really get the full historical breakdown of mm. this art form from its inception to guys literally going, let's just get two turntables instead of one and cut up music yeah. and then just start, talking over it originally like it wasn't even rapping because that wasn't an never art meant form to yet. be
0: recorded yeah yeah was just
1: like let's entertain ourselves and you know and then obviously you had tracks like fucking sugar hill gang rappers to like blow up mm. and it's all over new york and you know you had bands like blondie coming from the other side of town to see what was going on and then you had rapture by blondie which is this big pop song that had a hip-hop verse in it and there's i think several of like the big rappers from the 90s have appeared on various different documentaries. People from the Wu Tang Clan, stuff like that, saying our introduction to hip hop was actually from Blondie on MTV. That's <laughs> like the music being sold back to them. But so yeah, my era is strictly the old school, and I don't really know that much about UK hip hop. I've never really been into UK hip hop because for me, I'm all about the lyrics. I'm all about the stories. And for me, the American stuff just always seemed to have so much more to say because of, mm. you know, Rodney King and the race riots and the fucking crack epidemic. And it just seemed like it was a bit more vital and powerful and intense, the American stuff, well, you know? Well,
0: listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am some sort of oracle that I am some sort of expert <laughs> you in... You are an oracle, i <laughs> No, not for this, I'm not. Um, <laughs> that I am some sort of oracle or I'm some sort of expert in modern hip-hop or some sort of expert in UK hip-hop. In terms of talking about it from the ground level upwards, you know, I am very much coming at this, I would say, as a layman. I really like Tempete. We talked about... People know how much I like the Plan B record that came out over 10 years ago, um, so they know that. Um, I was massively, massively impressed by Stormzy, at, um, at Glastonbury this year I listened to the Dave album after seeing him at the Mercury's you know I hadn't even listened to it. it won the fucking Mercury prize and I think it's exceptional I think the Little Sims album is exceptional um, there are a bunch of kind of grime artists that have popped up here and there in playlists that I listened to I, had a, I used to work with a dude um, my mate Sam who played me a whole bunch of you know everyone from kind of Kano through to, like I say, Temper T and Big Nasty and Skepta and people like that, yeah, and um, Lethal Bizzle. And so I'm aware of a lot of the very, very big artists in this genre. I am not an expert by any stretch of imagination, but it feels to me that UK hip hop is having a real moment at the moment well
1: it's the most dominant form of music in the charts and you know when you go out and you see young kids you know whether they're playing music off their phones or they're coming back from a night out whenever i encounter the youth here on the streets of london they're always rapping or singing hip-hop or grime it's never rock or even pop like it's completely slaying all other forms of music in the the kind of popular consciousness of young people in the Mm. UK at the moment. Mm. It's the dominant art form by far.
0: And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a sort of thing that we should be covering on right act. I mean, I actually was having a conversation again with Luke Morton, um, who I I was hanging out with on the weekend and we got talking about hip hop and stuff. And he said, you know, like weird that, you know, I would think that as an alternative music podcast, you would cover someone like Tyler, the creator. And I think it's, Probably a fairly good shout because I think Tyler the Creator is very alternative. You know, even within the sphere of rap music, I don't know what exactly it's. It's you know, alternative. And MF Doom
1: and uh, yeah. who, who those are that run the jewels. But like, yeah. there's all kinds of guys and, which you see play on bills with mm, rock bands now. Yeah, and I crossing over.
0: I think like you know, um, we have sort of you know, I, I've I've definitely have over the last sort of eight nine months probably since i heard uh wizville actually i have felt like i've wanted to get more hip-hop into the show because i think you know it is a dominant genre yeah and when i look at the things that happen every time someone says to me you should listen to this hip-hop artist it's getting to the point where you know, I thought, oh, it's going to be gone soon, yeah, 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 because yeah, post yeah, Malone yeah, yeah, sucks, yeah, like, yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And and actually, it's just a fad, yeah, and, this act- music. and actually, it, it's definitely not. Um, it's the new
1: rock and roll, it mm. very much is. It's it poses a threat in the same way that rock used to, like, rock's not dangerous anymore, it's still good, and there's still plenty of great rock out there, mm. but it's not dangerous, it's not really exciting, certainly yeah. not for kids. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the new punk. It is what Elvis Presley and Marilyn Manson. It's what all those artists were once upon a time. Mm. Like hip hop and grime and that kind of music is now very much like the cutting edge alternative.
0: Which brings us to <laughs> ocean wisdom. I was
1: about halfway back to say, which brings us to Elbow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who are yeah. up next uh yeah yeah i mean fucking hell um <laughs> if, if ever that point could be hammered home any harder <laughs> the next album we're going to be reviewing is the elbow record but for yeah. now ocean wisdom um matt i uh, like i said i really really liked his last record i'm this is not really strictly i don't believe a a follow-up album to Wizville. it has been marketed as a mixtape I'm not really quite sure. I guess it's like the EP, right? You know, when a band doesn't well, want to put out a feature length, they'll put it's out an 90 EP. a 90-minute EP with 28 songs in it. There you know go. Yeah, I mean? it's, yeah. Uh, that's how they do it, mate. That's well, how they do it. songs I should say. Like, it's pretty fucking long. Like, for the start, what I will say, I mean, Whizville is better. Um, but there are some absolute fucking rages on here. Some absolute fucking rages. I think this does lean a little bit further towards the type of modern production that i've heard which i didn't get me as excited i like what what excited me so much about wizville is that i felt like the music a lot of the music felt really kind of real felt really you know the instrument there was kind of felt like there was sort of proper instrumentation and he was taking from kind of classic hip hop and just spitting these unfathomably fast like ridiculous like beautifully poetic rhymes over the top of it it was really aggressive and it's you know the aggression and the speed is still there in that it's slightly more um not all the way through but i think it's slightly more like oh yeah you know i feel like i've sort of heard these beats and
1: more generic grime kind of
0: i don't really know i mean i don't want to call it generic because i feel like i'm not in a position to be able to call it generic but what i will say is that i feel less excited by some of those musical tableaus than i did from the first <laughs> album
1: however you like my tableaus bro <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah however <laughs> when this album is good fuck me it's good
1: well the my favorite song and again i only briefly dipped in just before we started recording but the um you say fat boy slim
0: yeah it's called Fatboy boy featuring Fatboy boy slim
1: and it's just got that old school 90s big beat yeah exactly fun bounce mm yeah, I mean, and he it, sounds like he's having fun rapping on the top of it, and that's yeah. the one where he starts rapping real fast, isn't it?
0: Uh, well, mate, that's the most. Right. <laughs> yeah, <to be> <laughs> that's every track. Uh, but yeah, but but that's got a great like, "Mama, don't call me Fat Boy," like, and mm-hmm. it's got Fat Boy Slim on it, and like you say, it has got that kind of drums and decks, um, you know, kind of uh, the 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 same sort of like you'd expect from an uncle or a DJ Shadow or a Fat Boy Slim or one of those kind of '90s artists who dealt in. Um, in you know or that that type of sound and it's so wicked to hear that kind of updated and brought forward to a new generation because uh, you know it would be really easy i guess for ocean wisdom to just sort of stick to you know what's really really popular now and for, for you know for some parts of it like 4am sounds has got that kind of you know that the the the, the kind of lacks you know how i feel like like a lot of the reason why i can't get too excited by pop and some of the hip hop artists particularly from america is it all feels a bit lax it all feels a bit like you know your foot sort of dragging behind like a billy eilish like, type you know, sound that everybody you know, it's like loves mumbled and, it's... Of that. and he never does that but the music it does feel it moves at a much slower pace yeah, yeah. and everything's a bit kind of slower and i think he's able to I just think he's got, he can shift into gears that other MCs and some of those other rappers that I just don't really care for can't.
1: Well, that's the the mark of a great artist. You know, I think you can be good by just kind of going at that one pace, but the true greats, you know, an Eminem is the greatest of all time in that respect is he can switch it up and chop and change the pace, the delivery, the tone, the style. And that's when you're adept, right? That's when you can really yeah. like kick it with the best of them is when you can show off, this is my full Technicolor set. And it's all on one album.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a song on it called "Blessed," which has got Dizzy Rascal on it, and Dizzy Rascal comes in, and and it's, it's good to, to hear him on. It's good, the track good to hear again. Dizzy Rascal sounding like Dizzy Rascal as well. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because I think the last time Dizzy Rascal was a really big star, he was doing that shout, shout, let it all out, come on, England, with James Corden, and yeah, no, and he was doing do the shit not. with Calvin Harris as well. Yeah, and 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 it's like, nah, mate, you want
1: who? Where's that boy on the corner? Yeah, where's he gone?
0: And, and he sounds like that. Yeah, on on this, and what's you go? Yeah, that's fucking Dizzy, that's fucking Dizzy Rascal. That's what that's a Dizzy Rascal that I remember being great. And then Ocean Wisdom comes in and just fucking tears him a new one, like, and that's when you go, this this guy's. The key link there as well
1: is Dizzy Rascal used to play on Reading, yeah. You know, back when Reading wasn't the Reading that it is now. This is the kind of era where Fifty Cent was getting bottled. And it was just around that time that Dizzy Rascal would be playing it, but everybody would be losing their minds to him. Mm. And you know, not to break it down in these kind of crass terms, but he was one of the first black artists to be fully embraced by a white audience. Yeah. And the rock crowd went crazy for Dizzy Rascal. Yeah. You know, in the same way they were embracing the streets around that same time, but Dizzy was that much more urban, and because of where he came from and the sounds that he was riffing on. And yeah, I think Reading Festival opened him with well, I welcomed think, him with open arms. I think that plays. A, that was a, the start of that That festival moving in that way i think
0: yeah i mean i i mean the first ever reading i went to iced tea played on the main stage and he got a few bottles and he just went nah like i don't give a fuck like i'm staying here but he was very much in the rock world yeah he was yeah yeah he was yeah by 1996 he was definitely yeah um but i think it's kind of a misnomer to say that you know i've seen the far side and run dmc and jurassic five you know yeah i've seen a lot of of hip-hop artists at reading before that incident with 50 cent i think it was the fact that it was 50 cent why that happened yeah and it just felt like that was a moment in time where uh rock music had been on kind of got back to being on top and then you're inviting this massive rapper to come and it kind of started to slip again i think that's when you know the the over commercialization of rock music was about to happen you know it was just before American Idiot it was just before My Chemical Romance it was as the emo thing was happening and it was as the new metal thing was dying out Um, and it was a weird one but yeah I can understand like what you're saying about Dizzy Rascal coming in you get 50 cent and it's all about I'm in the club and he's on fucking MTV and he's hanging out with Dr. Joe you know and he's yeah, a yeah, superstar yeah. he's got these million dollar looking videos and he's talking oh, about Dizzy Rascal might more. as well be Johnny yeah. Rotten Dizzy Rascal is, was absolutely not that. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for why we would cover someone like Ocean Wisdom and maybe why we wouldn't cover... Um, Tyler, the Creator is not a great example. Drake. <coughs> Excuse me. Drake. Drake, yeah. Why we wouldn't cover... I mean, yeah, Drake is absolutely the... <laughs> he is the mainstream, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I don't think Ocean Wisdom is. I think even though he's getting... His profile is significantly rising. To me, this feels alternative. This feels really knowing as well. This record, like I say, you know, it's got it's got an attitude to it. I mean, the, the Renfrew always moans when we moans about the skits in hip hop, and I think he moans about them. Yeah, he's like, oh, the get rid of Mate, the skits. That's what get, makes them. Get rid of the skits. The, the, the skit in this one, in this like mixtape.
1: But would he moan about the radio interludes and songs for the deaf by Queens of the Stone Age?
0: I don't know because that you it. know
1: what i mean because it's the same sort of thing isn't it it's like let's make this a journey let's make it yeah. a listening experience yeah and well, if you can I, get behind the kind of radio dial changes in the queen's record but not behind like answer phone messages being left like yeah
0: then oh no I no but the, i it's think very partic- selective particularly on the artwork that was quite a quite difficult one to get, right, to get right. on board with, but I love this one because this is the answer phone. So it's Is I think his manager, his agent, called Troy. You got to bring back, back those answer up.
1: phone skits, man. I used to love
0: those. Well, it's all over this record. Is it? All right, boy. He got. <laughs> I'm down at So House. He, he, he keeps turning up and being like, and basically referencing what Ocean Wisdom has just done. So he's like, gets him up. The first one, the the intro, he he gets him up and he's like, all right, boy, you should be fucking up. Four o'clock in the morning, I've worked with fucking Drake. I've worked with fucking... (laughs) I've worked with all the big artists. You want to be one of them, boy? You get yourself down here now. And then he phones up. He's like, I'm not Ocean. Yes, Troy. I'm not being funny, mate. I'm not being funny i just heard that shit you did no nah, that ain't gonna fly mate all them fucking syllables on one thing what would ed sheeran say what would he say he say, get the fuck out of here i've set you up with fat boy slim get on it and then the fat boy slim song comes in amazing and they're funny like it's yeah. him going like he's like oh fucking i'm gonna have a nap oh god i'm getting noshed. like getting noshed off at a soho <laughs> house by some broad i think he says at one point so it's still not you know particularly politically correct but that's hip hop, though. That's what you want. That's, that's I wish rock and I, was more like that. I wish rock was still And that's more actually, like, you know, free it's, like it's that. obviously meant to be a ludicrous character. Yeah. This kind of ludicrous, like, East End gangster thug character. Um, but it just ties everything together. I mean, overall, I kind of would like him to, to focus in a bit. I think this is a stopgap, so I'm not going to go too, like, ugh, about it. But this is nearly fucking. 90 minutes long like this is a long long record right it's 27 tracks including all the stuff you get with it and when the new album comes it's got to be shorter
1: well that's why they call it a mixtape isn't it because they're just shitting out stuff which they're doing for fun i think mm-hmm. that's the differentiation
0: but the, the record was over an hour as well
1: the record But did the record feel like an hour
0: the record felt like a long record. I mean, Because it, it can be
1: as long as you want it to be. If you know, Someone said this the other day about the new Martin Scorsese film. Someone yeah. was like, oh my God, it's three and a half hours. Yeah, but like, that's three and a half hours of Martin Scorsese fucking yeah. movie making. That's like an hour in anyone else's time.
0: Mm. I think it was too long, the last one, just about. I mean, it was the one thing that made me go, yeah, you could definitely chop that up. Chop it down. Be really harsh. I think, you know, you could make a 12... 13-track Ocean Wisdom album with a couple of interludes to bring up to, like, 15 tracks. does not need to be 27 tracks. But that, to me, is, you know, I think rap. a lot of rappers and pop stars have to think, do I want to make a great record or do I want more streaming? Because, you know, he's going to get paid every time each one... Well, of we're in a different age, aren't we? That Spotify. is the other thing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, people deliberately making albums with... 20 30 fucking tracks on like drake did that was it a double album that he did and it was like fucking 50 tracks or something ridiculous and they were all like 90 seconds long
1: i think if you're in it for the the money then you know you ain't going to have a long career Mm. and if you're making records that are going to purely and simply make you money and that is your that's how your decision making is dictated then good luck to you if you want to i think last and stand the test of time and create great timeless music yeah. You have got to be doing it for the art, yeah. So fuck your streaming revenues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: mate, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think he's doing that. I don't think this is cynical per se. I mean, maybe some people are going like, put as much on there and you'll get. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, overall, he's. I think he's a very, very talented boy, and uh, top
1: boy, top boy. You've been watching that. You seen that? No, I'm not seeing that. It's good. If you want an insight into that world, <laughs> that life, and the soundtrack is all very much music like that. Um, it's a great, great Netflix show. There's two like original seasons that they did where it was a bit more low yeah, budget and like raw. Drake, and then it, yeah, or... Drake jumped on board as an executive producer, and now it's got a bit more of like a glossy, big yeah, budget yeah. feel. But yeah, it's a good show. It's very much just like you know, because I've lived around Clapton and Hackney and stuff for the last few years, it's all set around there, and it's very much an insight into like young you know, council state life in in those areas and all the music is all this kind of stuff.
0: Right, okay. Well, I'll check that Top out. Top boy, mate. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, it's good though. I do like this. When this is good, this is really fucking good and I'm very, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to a, a second album and hopefully a bit of a more streamlined, um, focused approach and, you know, chopping, being really kind of harsh on himself because he's one of the, this is the first time in a long time where I've heard... A rapper that i'm like you've definitely got something that is exciting to me um anyway there you go big talk volume one by ocean wisdom that is out right now right our last record we're going to talk about before we move on comes from elbow Uh, This (laughs) came out last week. The album's called Giants of All Sizes. It's the eighth studio album by the Manchester Alt-Indie Lads, following on from 2016's Little Fictions, which I didn't listen to. I just listened to metal back then. (laughs) Matt, how do you feel about Elbow?
1: Elbow. I'm the... I was about to say the least, the last. I am the worst person to give any form of informed opinion on Elbow because literally all I know is that one song. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, right. i don't even know the name of it uh, it's uh, called uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. i know uh, not, i know that he's on six music and right. i find him listenable on there mm-hmm. but it just they've never been a band that appealed to me right. never ever ever
0: i don't know why they're not I've, the most exciting well band. that that could be it i mean i that know you be like it. a visceral thrill
1: I do, but I'm not impartial. I'm sorry. No, I'm, that's true. I'm you know I'm not anti like just great hooky pop music. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is, but I've just never delved in. I've never delved in.
0: I have a funny sort of relationship with Elbow that I don't rare, very rarely think about them that much. But then I have periods where I really love them. So the Brit Award, Mercury winning award winning, seldom seen Kid, which is kind of their biggest album, I think. Um, is great, which got that song in it. Um, and even more so, I think, um, Build Rocket Boys, which came out in 2011, the follow up to that is really, really brilliant. Who and listens what...
1: to Elbow That's what I want to know. What's an Elbo fan?
0: Um, what's their
1: defining characteristics? Do you I know think... what I mean? There's some bands out there that i it's like what Rob Flynn was saying, who the hell listens to dope. <laughs> That's what I feel. <laughs> well, so, Elbow
0: play, like, the you know, too and stuff. So Yeah, of I know there's a lot of fans,
1: but it's like, what's an Elbow fan? Like, what's their story?
0: I think they probably like Coldplay as well. The Doves. Doves yeah. is a good shout. Like, cheering breaks, that kind of thing. I think it's... Um, there's elements of stuff that we talk about on this show a lot, like post-rock, again, like we can chuck talk, talk, talk in there, that much more <laughs> melod. But I think it's... A very much a um, post, a lot of these bands to me, they exist in a post-Radiohead OK Computer world. They exist in a place where they've heard Radiohead.
1: And you too, perhaps, right? and,
0: And maybe you too. And have sort of gone like, can we smush this together somehow? Can we make a band like Radiohead and all of the kind of beautiful, quiet, you know
1: string lead and
0: yeah all that kind of stuff can we kind of turn that into four minute long pop hooked gold right and i think that like a
1: Coldplay approach that's
0: kind of what Coldplay did initially start out trying to be i guess wouldn't it or maybe they got more in common with travis or oasis at their most saccharine mm-hmm. and um sort of schmaltzy uh but it was a thing wasn't it and you know athlete or another one yeah
1: just none of these bands have ever held any appeal to me i don't mm. know Mm. they if haven't they really would. to me
0: to be honest like a lot of them uh but there's some there is something about elbow when they're good there is something about elbow that i think is is great i mean like you know the seldom seen kid is a real i think it's a beautiful record really really kind of quiet subtle um unassuming but Expertly crafted record. I think there's great so You know, I I, I think um Seventeen Kid has got some massive. So- you know, Grand. You, you probably know Grand. Grand for divorce is probably their most hooky, isn't that? The, huh, 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 no, no, that's. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's almost got more of like a disco oh, strut to da, it, da, hasn't it? Yeah. But that's a great, you know, good song. Uh, But that album's pretty good. I do, honestly, I really, I really think Build Rocket Boys is is fucking great. Um, And there's not a lot of those high points on that. It's quite a quiet record. Um, And I think I like Elbow when they're not trying to make music that could potentially get bought by a car advert. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot
1: of money in that. Yeah. All Forget that, streams, you know, John mate. Lewis. Ad- Car ads.
0: Yeah. And I think occasionally <laughs> they they do fall into it. Although...
1: It just seems like such middle-of-the-road, middle-class Guardian reader. Sorry to go in Yeah. a little bit too foot f- two feet first, but yeah. I can't even talk. That's how bored I am by elbow. Right, okay. <laughs>
0: well, the first song... um, Dexter and Sinister's got this kind of deep, lush bass. I think they've got a good bass tone sometimes. And a proper actual guitar hero guitar solo. And then when the female vocals came in, I was like, it's six minutes long. It's pretty much the longest song on the record. I was like, this is fucking great. Like, I normally expect a bit of a slow start from them from the start of their records. And it just, it sort of chucked a load of stuff at me. And I was like, oh, great. What, a, you know, this is a great start to, to an album. An album which, you know, this is the longest song. It's only nine tracks. It's, just kind of short of the 50 minute mark this record and it set me up nicely for what i thought was i was like oh great this is you know an elbow that i like that are coming in now um but then the next two tracks seven Vales and empires are just not up to that they're just what you are saying they're both incredibly bland they just don't really feel like they bring anything of any value of any note to the the record whatsoever. I don't think they kind of pass by in a sea of um unremarkable vocal lines, um quite bland guitar parts that never really go anywhere and just a a, a kind of lack of of anything, really. They're just very very bland songs. And then there's a song called The Delayed 315 which comes after that and About a Late
1: Train. Yeah.
0: And it's got this little kind of almost chugged acoustic guitar part. And Guy Garvey comes in on his own. And you go, oh, that's a little bit different. And it comes together. Very pieces will kind of come in, come out. And it feels like you're sitting there. It feels like you're on a train. It kind of rollocks like you're on a train. Mm-hmm. And then a bass line will come in like a sort of building going past you. And then it will go out again. And I was like, this is very. It's built into something. Yeah. And it's very ex- excellently kind of composed. And it's obviously thought about. And it's. It, and it creates a world. And, and I think, you know, he talks of um, spray painted swastikas and filthy fly tipped brambles. And you can see this journey that's been played out in front of you. And I think when they get that kind of poetic stuff right, when he gets that right, I think Elbow are worth the praise that they get.
1: Does that and, song build to like a, a payoff?
0: D- not 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 a not an obvious one, no. Not an obvious it's you know, it, it never kind of gets it's not like a train this train's out of control and it gets faster and it builds up to something. No, not really. It's just it's just a journey that you use. Just enjoy. observational
1: stuff, yeah. kind of taking you Yeah, yeah. You and into then the it's part of Britain today.
0: And it it's really subtle and I think actually, you know, it never attempts to be quote unquote quite advert music that I was talking about before. And I think the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't appear to have this grand. Uh, it, it, sometimes Elbow can have these, like, delusions of grandeur. And that song doesn't have that. And um, it's actually just a very kind of nice, quiet, poetic song. And I think that's when they're at their strongest. Um, and then you get the next song's called White Heat, uh, White Noise, White Heat. And it sort of tries to be a bit weird and it doesn't really work. And then Doldrums comes in and it's got this kind of psychedelic Beatles feel to it, which is really good. And it's just such a patchy record. I just feel like this record's so patchy.
1: Are there any bands out there for you that just you just can't bring yourself to get lost in them, despite the fact that you've heard people praise them and you know that they're obviously successful for a reason and yet there's just something about them or everything about them? that just really rubs you up the wrong way and you just can't get into it? Have you got any Mm. bands like that for you? Because I I think this band are the absolute definition of that band for me. It's really weird. I can't put my finger on it. Um, I'm just like, everything about them turns me off.
0: I'm sure I have.
1: And I might even like them, but I just can't bring myself to sit down and listen to a whole album, you know, when I'm like, there's so many other albums that I'd sooner listen to out there. Yeah. It's like I'm forcing myself to do it and I don't want to (laughs) because
0: music shouldn't be like that. (coughs) <coughs> I think um, cough it all up, boy. God, still really sluggy in my throat. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think of one of those of my head. People and I don't mean
1: like one that gets you wound up or angry, just one that's just like, uh, just no.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of one off the top of my head. No. To be perfectly honest, I'm well, sure this there is that band
1: one. for me. I think. Yeah, I'm enough. only just learning this now. Yeah, as we sit here talking.
0: Well, I have to be honest. This is not a record I think I'll come back to you know they're not a band who have many records that I really like Um, but they've got a few Uh I don't think this is one of them there we go to be honest Um, it's Let's if move you're on a, then, sure. if you're a massive <laughs> massive massive elbow fan
1: what does Renfrey make of them you have to get him on to get his thoughts I
0: think he thinks they're you know bastardising post rock I believe okay. sometimes but you know uh I, I think they're okay. I think they're okay. I mean, the thing is, no
1: offense if anyone out there is a big fan, than I've offended. yeah. No, look, you know what? I've I don't no. know enough to truly dislike.
0: Yeah, but you heard this record and it didn't really give you. anything. I've
1: never heard anything by them that sucked me in ever. Mm. Apart, from I don't <laughs> think this is the. Re-
0: this is not the record. No, to be. Maybe
1: honest. I'll give that Build a Rocket Boys album. Yeah, a go. Yeah, you should. And I'll I think that's a report really, back to you.
0: Really good record, and Selm Seed Kid is a really good record as well. Like they've got. They got good albums, and they're they're a good band. But I don't think this is, I don't think this is something that I would give to somebody. And it's probably not one that I'll go back to. I think maybe the first track and Doldrums I would probably listen to, and Delayed Three Fifteen maybe I would listen to if I was like, oh, I'm going to play an Elbow playlist or whatever. Those songs would go on there. And sort of eight albums into a career, when you release a new album, all you really need are two, three songs on each album to make people go, oh, I'd like to hear that live, and you've done your job, really, haven't you? Mm.
1: To promote tours. That's yeah, what they're for, yeah. isn't it? These days, but it,
0: yeah. But it feels like you know the week after, like last week, we had the Nick Cave, the new Nick Cave, and a bad teeth album.
1: I need to listen to that on the way home. Is it amazing? Oh, it's amazing! And yeah, that's on my playlist yeah, for the train journey home tonight.
0: Fucking brilliant that record and it just you know it's hard to get excited about this the week after that. <laughs> um but anyway that's elbow giants of all sizes right before we go um usually we do a trade-off between me and Renfri but Renfri's not here and I couldn't give Matt anything in time I've already made you listen to enough stuff you haven't heard before so you said you wanted to discuss the fourth album um by Against Me New Wave from 2007. Their first album on Sire Records. Sell out. A, a major Sell label. Out. A major, a major label. I can just tell you about it. I bought this record, right? And I, when I was doing stand-up, there was a, there used to be like a kind of, uh, uh, a little community of punk rock stand-up comedians who didn't want to be on Live at the Apollo. and They didn't want to be famous. They didn't want to do gigs in comedy clubs. They just wanted to put on coffee houses and little bars and bookshops and stuff. And we're just gonna play. And I did a few gigs for those people. And the guy who put it on, who's a really, really nice guy, like a really, really great guy, but I remember him being like apoplectic, of, off his, like steam coming out of his ears, talking about this record. The angriest, angriest man in the world. Like, more like, and that's come from me. I was going, mate, you need to calm down. Me telling someone to calm down um, at the idea that Against Me had signed to Sire Records and they now sounded like this um matt what made you pick new wave by against me to chat about
1: i guess earlier on we were talking about an album that is a fork in the road it wasn't Mm -hmm. on this podcast but just to fill people in we were talking about talk talk bingo and how every now and again a band has a record which signifies a you know a turning point in their career and i'd spoke to laura for my podcast about you know the whole against me story and her story. But this album in particular, she was saying that people would come to their shows and slash the bus's tires because they were that angry that they'd sold out to a major label. And it's like, are you mad? Like, I think nowadays it's not so much a thing Mm. because the record business isn't what it was. And I don't think anyone cares what label an album comes out on anymore. Do you know what I mean? I think those days are a thing of the past, but there was that period. And even Labels like Fat Records would be seen as like the machine in the establishment. Yeah. And if you were on Fat, you're selling out. Oh, epitaph. And it, yeah, it's just yeah. this kind of very holier oh, than that attitude. Nitro, like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So what Hellcat? And, uh, it, and it's for me, it's the album where they kind of just morphed into like a, a world class, internationally brilliant punk rock band. Mm. I think born on the FM airwaves is one of the most incredible songs ever. It's got Tegan in, hasn't it? Tegan yeah. Quinn from mm-hmm. Tegan Sara. And, you know, just the song New Wave alone. Sorry, Thrash Unreal. I always get the two confused. Album New Wave, song Thrash Unreal. Heartbreaking song uh, about, obviously, a close friend that passed away. And, you know, it's just... The themes in the album are still punk rock. It's still dark. It's still gritty. It's still raw. It's just... It's got a bit more of a, uh, a three-dimensional kind of big sound to it because... Obviously, Butch Vig produced it, and he's got those skills. And Against Me, I adore. I'm not as into the earlier, more ramshackle stuff. Mm. For me, it's all about this record on. I fucking love White Crosses. I absolutely love Transgender Dysphoria Blues. I wasn't as much of a fan of the last album. No, me neither. um, Especially off the back of Transgender, which was such an intense Yeah visceral record and such great songs on it and i do hope this next one they they get back to that kind of a a game songwriting yeah. i thought the song crash land was good i play that on out and about yeah, dj a song, that's right? a cool tune but yeah i mean fuck, what else is on this one landed. stop oh, amazing song oh, piss and vinegar amazing. americans abroad i mean piss and vinegar you can't call a band a fucking sell out when they got a song called piss and vinegar piss on a major it. label yeah um, um and seymour stein who's, you know, that mythic figure, Simon, Madonna, Ramones, Talking Heads, all these bands. And I think he was, you know, still at, uh, was it Cy that he was with? It was CBS in the early days. I think he was the guy that was involved in signing them. Really? um, Because Laura said they were playing a show and he was like their side of stage, like 80 years old, still like throwing down, loving it. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: I did not know that. Well, mate, you make a lot of excellent points and I agree with most of them. But I think, one of the things for this record, this is when you talk about a fork in the road, um, and the the result of why, like for me, why this is one of the best records of that decade, for me, is um, this is the album where we say goodbye to Tom Gable and hello to Laura Jane Grace, isn't it? Um, well, even
1: in that lyric, you know, you never thought your daughter would grow up to be a junkie. Yeah. It's obviously about her friend that passed away, but...
0: Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's so... Because I love... Because I, so I got this record, and Thrash Unreal, like I said to Laura, please play it, so I fucking love it. Um, I love the song, and I always, always did love the song. But when I heard about what Laura had been through, you then listen to it, and you go, fucking hell, like... Dark. There's it, sad. It's dark, but that is was to me i was like oh yeah there's a real um kind of um empathy with and a very strong a very very strong feminine empathy in that song and i just thought like how cool that this that this, was that close this guy yeah and how yeah. cool that this guy could write that but then when you think like, you know that's that is a song which sounds in for all intents and purposes and cuz it is is being written from a, a female perspective mm-hmm and yep. I thought, how cool! Well,
1: and born on the FM as well.
0: Yeah, born on the FM. Like you know, there's, there's, there are things being said on this record that, to me, this is an album of freedom and of entrapment because it's the freedom to not be um, stuck in a scene anymore. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. I've, yeah, I've yeah. spoken to Lauren, but not as often as you. But you know, we've spoken about the idea of being in a punk rock scene. And well, she, especially
1: like an anarcho kind yeah. of anarchist punk band.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how, you know, the the rules and the regulations and the the ideas of the people in charge and the, the kind of the so-called moral um, arbiters and the, the tastemakers from that scene are so staunchly unshakable in their belief of what it means to be a punk rock band those things on this record that they they're gone now they that those those shackles are off but you know this is someone who's trapped in a body that they don't recognize as well you know and i think this is probably for me because of a lot of the subtleties and a lot of the other sounds that you that they brought in on this record were well, the first times that i sort of noticed and obviously you know it's not like i was sitting there and i was thinking oh, there's really, you know, like this... Well, hindsight's vibe. a wonderful thing, exactly. right? Exactly. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But certainly I was like, hmm, this really is a very it hits different you. vibe. And I think when you listen to it now, the hindsight is, is, is so clear and it does really feel like someone coming from a completely different perspective and mindset to what you thought they were. Um, I mean, so- you're never
1: going to hear a bad religion or a rancid or even a no effects approach songs from that angle no ever and that's why it's such a refresh and they take it obviously even further with the next couple of records i mean you've got that song because of the shame (laughs) bless you sir on white crosses and again it's got that piano piano intro and i was a teenage anarchist again it's like taking that whole scene and going you know what fuck off like i'm on a major label but i'm fucking more free and more punk and then you'll ever be
0: moving that on even for even further onto like transgender dysphoria blues mm-hmm. when you know fuck my life 666 and um black me out black those me those out those dude fuck. songs are just like everything like that run of like i'm with you to be honest like those stuff three like, records re- reinvent, bang 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 reinventing axel rose is fucking great like it's a great raucous fucking punk rock like stampede of a record but those three records bang 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 like like the the journey that you go on if you listen back to them now knowing what you know about laura like the journey you go on with her on those records because it's so i mean you know i've written down like there's so many great uh, slogans there's so many great hooks so many guitar great guitar parts so many great songs so many great moods so many great air punching fist pump pumping moments in all of those records but Every, every single part of it feels real, feels relatable, and feels like the sound and the soul of this brilliant person. Mm-hmm. Like she's so she's so brilliant. Yeah, she's and that kind of that. Have you read the book? Run, I've not. Do you know You've what? Gotta read the book, man. And I haven't read it.
1: Anyone listen to this? It's called Tranny, I've got and got it's a lot of books. You have got a lot about. of books. <laughs> I have, it's yeah. such a great book as it could only be. <laughs> um I strongly recommend it. And yeah, if you don't know the band, start a new wave and go White Crosses, Transgender Dysphoria Blues. That trilogy of records right there is it's one of the best trilogies of punk ever.
0: Yeah. It really does feel like a trilogy as well, yeah. doesn't it? It really does feel like because obviously, you know, this is and this is the kind of opening um like, like ugh, I, I feel bad kind of putting words into her moment. You know, you don't really know the situation. But listening to it now, it's like, this feels like some sort of awakening. It feels like a stirring. Oh, of course know? it would have been exactly like, that, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah particularly yeah. after, you know, you listen back to their older material and where they were and everything. And, and you know...
1: It's a metamorphosis on tape. Like it it is, That's exactly yeah. what it is. And
0: then when you get to White Crosses, it feels a little bit more you know, it feels much more confrontational but and a little bit more confident. And then we get the transgender dysphoria blues. It's all just, off, it's yeah. fucking all out there. And it's it's such an amazing wild ride. And those, those they're the best, they're, that's the best artists, people that do that. Yeah, uh, live it. That fucking, yeah, when you go, my God, there's there's a slice of your entire existence for all of us to just consume and understand and to be able to kind of pour over forever. Like Laura Jane Grace's life and that period of her life is documented Forever now, mm-hmm. on those three records.
1: And with the, the... What's the follow-up to Transgender called?
0: Um, ah, fuck. Uh, hold on. Look let, it up real quick. But I up. know
1: that the intention with that one, because she'd gone so... Shapeshift with me. She, yeah. And I think she'd, she'd done as much of the intense, weighty, soul-bearing stuff mm-hmm. as she could handle at that point. So she just wanted to make a more guitar-driven, fun, <laughs> light-hearted <laughs> record. And, you know, it was good, I think, for her to get that side out. But I don't think it really made any statements that are going to last the test of time in the same way that three previous records have. Mm. But I can't wait to see what comes next. I thought the solo album was okay. There's a few tracks on there yeah, that I like. a liked. few really good tracks on there. Um, yeah, they definitely that, yeah. went in some very different directions with the music as well, which, I, you know, was really refreshing to hear. But I'm most excited now to see what they're going to do next, where they're going to go next. Yeah. I do believe the album's almost finished okay, as cool. well. So it'll definitely cool, be out next year
0: nice well there you go against me's new wave is a brilliant record sorry i didn't have anything to give you matt but i did give you an elbow album to listen to last minute didn't i and uh that's uh that feels like enough for you really and
1: i only heard about one half of one song and, and, <laughs> and that was enough and yeah You're i'm right. sorry if i wasn't as informed as i could have been but it was obviously a very last minute substitution it was Um, but i'm happy to be here always happy to help and thank you for having me on your wonderful show
0: we will be getting um said guests that we were originally going to get on in a different capacity at some point but basically when you're in a band Mm -hmm. they don't want to go i've heard that band and their shit yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because they, they might want to support them someday.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah although <It's... laughs> the, this band would not. Ain't be ever supporting Elbow. There. No, that's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But uh, we're all good. We're all good. We'll get him one another time. Uh, anyway, come back next week. Renfrey will be back, so that'll be nice. And um, where we... did you say he was? In Amsterdam. Oh, all over Europe. All with Frontiera with the band Frontiera. Oh, was he
1: doing tour managing them? Don't know. Don't you don't even know? Just hanging out. He's just hanging. He's just it's being strange. like a a plus one yeah (laughs) i love it why not why not why not life's too Um, short
0: anyway next week we're going to be reviewing new albums from alcest from jimmy Eat world and the long-awaited chat about the new refused album i can't wait i can't speak referee i can't speak um
1: give me that for refused oh mate okay yeah interesting
0: uh i've said it on here before oh yeah i, I have. have to pretend that I it was a thumbs, thumbs down thumb. It was a big thumbs down but Wow. anyway i'll tell you why it's a big thumbs down next week you'll have heard it by then you'll be able to th- disagree with me on twitter if you want um anyway musicism dot net go there go put riot in the checkout and you get 25 percent off all your courses i'll see you next week matt will be back one day i'm sure
1: yeah we got to think of a kind of uh, another uh themed episode maybe like the film one like the film one Do make it you count know?
0: Yeah, we can do that. I'll think think of something. We'll get our heads down. Maybe something to do with board games. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I'm the chairman of the board, mate. (laughs) See you later.